أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد uh, a couple of comments I wanted to make before continuing our reading from Warathatul Anbiya, the heirs of the Prophet والسلام, of Ibn Rajab Hanbali, with the able translation of Imam Zaid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised both of them uh, in rank. Uh, one is that uh, this is the sixth night of Ramadan. So for those of you who are nimble with division and fractions, uh, you know that that means one-fifth of the month has, uh, has now passed. And uh, it annoys me to no end when people say, oh, look how fast Ramadan passed by. Because if you're spending every moment uh, seeking from it, its nur and its barakah and its optimal state, then it will be a very long Ramadan. And uh, that's not because it's boring, but that's because it's mubarak. And this is a, a civilizational understanding that seems to have left uh, certain individuals but uh, it's worth reminding one another about. And the second uh, reminder is that لِلَّهِ أُعْتَقَاءُ فِي رَمَضَانَ وَذَلِكَ كُلُّ لَيْلَىٰ وَكَمَا قَالَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ ذَلَكَ كُلَّ لَيْلَىٰ I should say وَكَمَا قَالَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ That Allah Ta'ala, there are certain people He will uh, free them from the hellfire. And uh, there's a, a quota for every night. Meaning it's not just the last 10 nights. There's a quota on every night. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the utaqa of this night. Uh, don't uh, take it lightly. Even if it just means to make dua for five minutes or to make a sentence, one sentence with complete tawajjah toward Allah ta'ala in sincerity that, Ya Allah, make me, uh, make me uh, from the people who was freed from the fire in this night. Uh, even just a moment of sincerity, uh, it, it can give a person an eternity of of bliss and honor. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the utaqa uh, of this night. And there have been many people who have asked me, they say, well, I thought shaitan was supposed to be locked up, but this is happening, that's happening, the other thing's happening. And uh, sadly, uh, shaitan is locked up, but the nafs itself, uh, it doesn't like going from zero to pious, uh, uh, you know, overnight or in five days. And uh, that's what we've done to it. And so it's rebelling right now. And it will do weird things to you. It will give you weird insinuations. It will whisper weird garbage to you that it, it wouldn't have said uh, to you in a regular day. And what is it? It's like, you know, when two people who hate each other get into a fight, they, they search for uh, the meanest thing that they can say to one another. So that's when, you know, imagine if someone is arguing with a woman, what type of slurs will they use? And if someone's arguing with a, a black person, what type of slurs will they use? And if there's someone's arguing with an Arab, what kind of slurs will they use? And if someone's arguing with a the Muslim, they'll call them terrorist and Osama and Saddam and all the worst things they can think of to say. All of the most trite and most uh, uh, un unimaginative, uh, uh, stereotypical things that they could say to each other. They're going to say all those things. And the nafs is like that also. 
the nafs knows that you value your, your iman. And so when you say, hey, no more eating, drinking, no more looking at beautiful women and beautiful men and no more backbiting and no more gossiping and cut the music out and cut the Netflix out and all this other stuff, it's going to obviously come after come after <laughs> the thing that it knows that you, uh, you you value the most, the things that it knows, you, it knows you value the most, the people that it knows you value the most, the priorities that you have in life. Why? Uh, because it's in pain and it's in torture. So the bad news is that's going to happen for some people and nobody likes to hear uh, those whisperings inside of their inside of their heart. But the good news, it means that you're hitting the nafs where it hurts. Uh, and so if the nafs is hurting too much, ease up a little bit off of it, you know, go take a nap. You know, you can read like you can finish your juz later, go take a nap or whatever. Ease up off of it. If you know you're already irritable, it's probably not the best time to like, you know, I don't know, talk to small children or something like that because you're just going to end up screaming at them. And uh, uh, um, the rest of it is what is that, you know, you're hitting the nafs where it hurts. So something right should be happening. So pay it no heed, pay it no attention. Uh, uh, you know, pay it as much attention as you would, uh, you know, uh, um, if getting uh, getting cussed out by someone, someone with Alzheimer's, which is what, you know, unless you're a completely hot headed person, a complete fool. Uh, you know, if you're getting cussed out by someone with Alzheimer's who doesn't even know who they are, much less who you are. Uh, 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 then, uh, uh, you know, if you actually get feel hurt about that, then that's a bit, uh, uh, um, immature, you know, see the bigger picture and know that the reason your nafs is giving trouble right now is because you're, you're forcing it to do what's right. And, uh, uh, inshallah, uh, have some sabr and some patience. If you keep forcing it, inshallah, it will, it will be subdued. It will be pliant and inshallah. Uh, if it gets to the point of being pliant, then even in Shawwal, uh, the shaitan, when it does start attacking you again, if your nafs is on your side, or at least if your nafs, uh, its rebelliousness is mitigated uh, uh, significantly, inshallah, you'll be able to deal with shaitan uh, and you'll be able to deal with that. Allah Ta'ala, uh, make it easy for all of us. But don't don't listen to these uh, insinuations and whisperings of of the nafs when it just cusses you out and attacks everything is, which is dear to you. It's not serious. It's not coming from inside of you. Uh, it's just uh, it's just you dealing with the irrational part of yourself. And uh, the best way to deal with the irrational part of yourself is, frankly, just to ignore it. Chapter 4. Categories of Scholars. Many of the righteous forebears, Yani the Salaf, such as Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah. Sufyan al-Thawri was uh, a great scholar in the Tabi'in of Kufa. Uh, and he was the, or perhaps the Tabat Tabi'in, uh, and he was a great uh, uh, athari. He was a great scholar of the the method of the muhaddithun in Kufa, whereas Imam Abu Hanifa in that in that age was the great uh, scholar of the people of Ra'i, the usul, the people of usul and and uh, principled methodology. Uh, but he, Sufyan Thori was a, a very uh, very well respected and highly esteemed uh, 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 individual. In the uh, in the history of this ummah, such as Sufyan Thori and others, categorize scholars into various groups. The best of these groupings is epitomized by the scholar who knows both Allah and His commandments. This ex- by this expression, Sufyan Thori refers to those who combine inner and outer knowledge. We talked about that in yesterday's bayan. So, if you want to have a little bit more uh, discussion about that, you can you can refer uh, to yesterday's talk. These are the most distinguished scholars. They are praised by Allah. Indeed, amongst his servants, it is but the learned who fear Allah. Allah Ta'ala says in his book, Indeed, uh, none fear Allah except for the people of knowledge. 
He also says, Indeed, those who were given knowledge beforehand, when our signs are recited to them, they fall down prostrate on their faces, saying, Glorified is our Lord. Subhanahu rabbina. Uh, 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 indeed, uh, the promise of our Lord will be fulfilled. They will fall down prostrate on their faces, weeping, it in, and it increases them in humility. Again, uh, the, the, the tie between humility and between knowledge, which was discussed yesterday. Many of the righteous forebears used to say, Religious knowledge is not an abundance of memorized texts, rather, knowledge is humility. One of them said, Fear of Allah is sufficient knowledge, and being deceived concerning Allah is sufficient ignorance. Uh, this is a very important uh, understanding. We have a usuli tradition, it's a principled tradition. It is a tradition in which uh, information and knowledge is ordered in terms of priority. If a person doesn't understand the first lesson, the rest of the pieces of the puzzle are not going to make sense to them. The first piece of the puzzle is what? Is that a person should know their place. And that, that knowledge is a knowledge that endows humility to the, to the knower. If they don't know humility, then all of their knowledge will be like the knowledge of Iblis. It will just uh, give them a VIP first class ticket to the hellfire, which is not, not a good thing. They further said, one who knows Allah exper experientially does not necessarily know the commandments of Allah. Such are the possessors of inner knowledge who lack adequate comprehension of judicial matters. The righteous forebears similarly said, One who knows the commandments of Allah does not necessarily know Allah experientially. Such are the possessors of outer knowledge that have no inkling of inner knowledge. They neither fear Allah nor do they possess humility. They were deemed blameworthy by the righteous forebears. One of them said concerning a scholar, this type is corrupt. They stop at outer knowledge while beneficial knowledge fails to reach their hearts. They will never savor its fragrance. They have been overwhelmed by their negligence, their hardness of heart, and their aversion of the hereafter. They vie with one another for this world, seeking exaltation in it and are vainglorious. The harm and enmity of corrupt scholars. Corrupt scholars think ill of those who have obtained beneficial knowledge. They do not love them, nor do they sit with them. They may even condemn them. They denounce them, saying, They are not real scholars. This is from the treachery of shaitan and his deception, which prevents these corrupt scholars from attaining beneficial knowledge with Allah and his messenger, the righteous forebears of the Muslim nation and its imam. Uh, and its imams, uh, 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 the people who have... Uh, the people who uh, ha, uh, the people who uh, have been praised by all of them. So he's saying that the uh, the treachery of shaitan is what is that these people think themselves better than the the the, the ulama, the people who have beneficial knowledge reached their hearts. The, the the scholars, the inward and the outward, they have contempt for them. They don't sit with them. They denounce them and say they're not real scholars. And. Uh, 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 this treachery of shaitan prevents uh, such uh, corrupt people from attaining beneficial knowledge which Allah, uh, His Messenger, the righteous forebears in the Muslim nations and the Imams have all praised. Uh, and so this, uh, what do we take from this? That there is a sign that uh, if there's a, a person who uh, has contempt for the entire scholarly, uh, for the entire scholarly uh, uh, um, uh, edifice, for the entire institution of scholarship in Islam, for precedent, for the established schools of, uh, of, of fiqh or of uh, really of any other 
the ones of the science. They have contempt for them. They say that these people are not even real scholars. They're all stupid and I'm smart. Um, as opposed to saying, I disagree with these people for this reason or for that reason. Uh, but the person who completely dismisses them, this is a sign that that person, that person is off the path. And we have, unfortunately, many people like that. And, uh, uh, you know, because there are many people whose arrogance uh, uh, prevents them from valuing what the ulama have to say. Uh, when they find such scholars, they say this person is like the big, you know, this is the new, the new sensation. This guy is the big guy who's going to revive Islam. Uh, and we have people like that. And they actually get space to speak in our, in our masajid. One very interesting uh, example of this is this individual by the name of Javed Ahmed Ghamidi, uh, a person who has made inkar of many of the foundational principles of deen, has made inkar and disavowed a great uh, majority, over, overwhelming preponderant majority of the corpus of hadith, of fiqh, of established precedents in, in really every, uh, um, every different uh, um, branch of learning. And on top of it, on top of it, he was the official uh, head of the Ideological Council, which is the religious uh, advisory to the presidency of the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. For who? For uh, Pervez Musharraf, its military dictator. So even according to actual like uh, liberal secular values, the man was a sellout. Uh, but but because he tells people they don't have to respect even the most basic norms of the Sharia, people love him, and so the masajid that uh, you know we're called to do service for, um, oftentimes at sacrifice and uh, uh, difficulty to ourselves, those masajid at the turn of a dime the boards will call uh, uh, you know pretenders like this to go and speak over there, and even from our own students we have the karaha and the dislike of seeing. Uh, people exalting uh, and extolling, you know, things that that, that charlatans like this say. Uh, well, you know, I guess if a person, if that's what they want, if they want to see uh, things overturned uh, for the sake of overturning them, then a person like this would be wonderful. If the knowledge actually had enough uh, importance to them that they would bother to learn it themselves, then maybe they would see why uh, such a person um, is, uh, is, is really... Uh, just very ignorant and careless in their uh, in their uh, uh, in their just flippant uh, discarding of what is deep and meaningful uh, scholarship of, of the past uh, generations and uh, um, you know just a weird type of like nafs trap that you know I'm everyone else in the history of Islam was an idiot and I'm the only one who understood this which uh, you know that type of attitude to really any uh, branch of learning or field of learning. Uh, is, uh, is is dangerous, you know, like they say about Isaac Newton, uh, uh, they say that he said that if, you know, if I have great vision, it's because I've stood on the shoulders of giants, meaning what? He accepted the fact that there is a whole amount of civilization that brought him uh, mathematics and physics that were developed to the point that they were, that he could uh, say and, and think and develop and work through things and bring something uh, 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 bring something new whereas if he had to spend his whole life you know trying to figure out that you know numbers in base 10 are better than roman numerals or whatever um maybe he wouldn't have uh, gotten to uh you know his uh, development of newtonian physics uh um you know in the beautiful way that that he did uh, uh if you're going to just dismiss everything 
then good luck, you know, start from, from square one again. And Ramadi is definitely not the only person who's like this. And we have, we've had, uh, you know, crackpots even in North America uh, who, uh, who have claimed that they're mujtahid mutlaq and that they don't need any of the madahib. We have crackpots that claim they're prophets uh, more than one. Uh, and I know I like relatives that fall for these uh, these types of things. Why? Because they don't want to pray five times a day. They don't want to be told that, you know, you have to eat halal or whatever. Some really petty things uh, because of which people want to rebel against the entire uh, scholarly edifice. And, you know, there's not a lot of khair in it. Uh, and so how does Ibn Rajab, who never met Ghamadi before, describe corrupt scholars? Corrupt scholars think ill of those who have obtained beneficial knowledge. They do not love them, nor do they sit with them. They may even condemn them. They denounce them by saying they are not real scholars. This is from the treachery of Satan and his deception, which prevents these corrupt scholars from attaining beneficial knowledge, which Allah, his messenger, the righteous forebears of the Muslim nation and its imams all have praised. For this reason, worldly scholars dislike religious scholars, and they, and they strive uh, to their utmost to harm them, just as they uh, uh, endeavored to harm Sa'id bin Musayyib, uh, Al-Hasan al-Basri, Sufyan al-Thawri, Imam Malik, Imam Ahmed, and other uh, upright scholars. May Allah be pleased with them. So here when he says worldly scholars, he's not talking about the people who have the knowledge of like physics and chemistry and biology and these things. Um, what he's talking about is the people who have knowledge of stuff like hadith and of tafsir and things like that, but they pursued such knowledge for the sake of the dunya. That's what he means when he says worldly scholars. He's not talking about like, just because you're an engineer, somehow you're going to like, you know, end up persecuting Imam Malik or whatever. That's not, that's not what he's trying to say. This is because righteous scholars are successors of the Prophet ﷺ, whereas worldly scholars resemble those who have earned the wrath of Allah, uh, those who are the enemies of the prophets, the slayers of the prophets, the murderers of the righteous. Uh, they are the most intense in their enmity and envy toward the believers. Because of their intense love of this world, uh, these corrupt scholars appreciate neither knowledge of the religion nor uh, true religion. Instead, they glorify wealth, status, and positions um, of advantage with rulers. Uh, and uh, if you think Imam Junaid, rahimahullah, if you think any of the great Imams of our tradition didn't have very powerful adversaries and antagonists um, that were ingratiated with the government um, that, that would persecute them uh, uh, and threaten them with, with, with you know, uh, uh, imprisonment and fine and death and, uh, 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 you know, uh, imperil their, their dunya, um, you know, you need to read a little bit more history. One of the ministers said to Mufti uh, Hajjaj bin Arta, uh, you know well jurisprudence and theology. Hajjaj says, why don't you instead say you have honor and esteem? The minister said, I swear by Allah, you belittle what Allah has extolled and you extol what Allah has belittled. Uh, meaning uh, 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 the, the, mufti, uh, uh, the mufti was praised for his knowledge and uh, uh, instead he said, why don't you say you have honor and esteem? And the minister says to the mufti, what? He says that the thing Allah has belittled, which is honor and esteemed, you seek that. And the thing Allah has praised, which is, uh, um, which is knowledge of jurisprudence and theology, of fiqh and aqidah, uh, you, you're trying to pu push it to the side. And so it seems from the siyak, from the context uh, that uh, this Hajjaj bin Arta is not somebody that uh, <laughs> Ibn Rajab thought too highly of. The deception of Satan. Many of those claiming inner knowledge speak about it limiting themselves to it uh, and condemn outer knowledge, naming, namely the study of sharia, legal rulings and matters concerning the lawful and unlawful. 
and they defame its people, saying that they have, uh, that, saying that they are veiled and they're people of superficiality. This is irresponsible. Uh, uh, this irresponsible attitude in, uh, engenders vilification of the pure Sharia, the Sharia mutahara, and the righteous deeds uh, that the Prophet ﷺ brought, encouraged, and fostered. Some of them go as far as to absolve themselves uh, of the need uh, to perform acts of worship, claiming that worship is for the masses. They claim that one who has attained nearness to Allah has no need for worship. Ha, wah. In fact, such rituals are considered a veil for them. Junaid ta'ala and others have said concerning such people, what they have attained is only the hellfire. This claim that adherence to the sharia is unnecessary is from the greatest uh, treachery and deception of iblis, of shaitan, uh, towards such people. He will continue to play with them until he causes them to apostatize from Islam. Among this group of deceived scholars are those who imagine that inner knowledge is not received from the lamp of prophethood nor from the Quran or Sunnah, but that it issues from personal divination and mystical inspiration. They entertain malicious thoughts toward the perfect sharia, thinking that it hasn't come with uh, the sort of knowledge that rectifies hearts and draws people near to Allah, the knower of the unseen. This attitude ultimately produces in them a total rejection of what the Messenger of Allah وسلم, brought in this regard and leads them to talk about spiritual matters on the basis of conjecture and fantasy. They are astray and they lead others astray. Uh, and this is interesting because there's a lot of this going around in uh, the age that we live in. Uh, and there's like, you know, there's like mild, medium and, and, and fire sauce. For those of you who are uh, uh, familiar with the Taco Bellian paradigm, uh, there's mild, medium, uh, hot sauce and fire sauce. And so the mild is what? There are certain people from the scholars who will talk about feel goody type stuff uh, and avoid the controversial matters of the Sharia. Uh, that's the that's the mild. The medium sauce is there are people who will uh, uh, talk about feel goody stuff, and they will avoid talking about the sharia completely. The hot sauce is what is that? Uh, uh, there are people who will uh, uh, you know uh, avoid talking about the sharia, and they will resent the 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 people who talk about sharia and speak ill of them. You know the medium sauce people are like well. There's always some Deobandi who will uh, uh, bring up uh, uh, mention of the uh, of the of the hilal and halal and all of those inconvenient masail of the Sharia that are uh, you know well recorded and attested to by precedent, and uh, this leaves the uh, scope open for us to give uh, talks about stuff that people are going to be happy with, uh, while uh, you know whatever mullah or you know unfortunate Mauritanian or someone who actually sticks to orthodoxy is. Uh, going to uh, you know espouse and expound upon uh, um, those parts of the Sharia that we also inside know are are important, but we're gonna like leave the uh, we're gonna leave the the burden on them and just not talk about it. Um, uh, and then there's those who will uh, actually hate on those people for talking about it. One is uh, offloading your heavy lifting onto somebody else. Uh, and enjoying the ease of not having to vouch for a part of the sharia and the other is actually uh, disavowing the heavy lifting incomplete and then the fire sauce is what is that you know those people who follow the tariq of the ghulat like the ismailis and the boris and the uh, uh, you know uh, a great uh, number of different uh, heterodox groups that may or may not uh, claim nubuwa or prophethood or some sort of secret knowledge that 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 uh, uh, supersedes the, the the knowledge of the sharia that we don't even have to 
uh, bother with these things. We don't have to worry about them. And this doesn't mean that uh, our tradition uh, as Muslims is not a mystical tradition. It is a tradition in which spiritual insight is very important. But the Prophet ﷺ left us with uh, 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 you know, a very important uh, uh, legacy, which is that the Sharia is like a, a, you know, a geometrical, uh, 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 very sharply defined uh, set of boundaries. Uh, which shows us um, who, whose mystical experiences are sound and will lead to good, and whose mystical uh, experiences are bakwas and will just lead to destruction in this world and the hereafter. And so, uh, you know, the Sharia is what allows us to know that uh, uh, you know these uh, you know fake uh, fake uh, you know halvasaurus type beers who see uh, dreams in which you know if you don't uh, pay a hundred thousand uh, dollars to uh, whatever uh, charitable fund that they're running tonight that uh, you know a hundred thousand people enter the hellfire or whatever you can tell you can tell by the sharia that such people are are, are probably uh, you know blowing smoke blowing hot air uh, out of some orifice or the other. Uh, whereas there are people who spoke from their mystical experiences like Shah Waliullah, uh, uh, like uh, the Sheikh Mujaddid Al-Thani, Ahmad Sarhindi, like the, you know, in general, the, uh, uh, the, the awliya and the mashayikh of the tariqah that the, the Muslims, in particular the Sunni tradition, reveres and extols. And the difference is what? Is both of them talk about some mystical experience, um, but in one case the mystical experience will push them toward uh, uh, doing something beneficial in society, whereas the other one uh, just pushes toward high levels of halva consumption uh, in some form or the other. And uh, uh, you know, uh, Ibn Rajab mentions this 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 statement, which is that uh, 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 um, you know that they uh, 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 they entertain malicious thoughts toward the perfect Sharia, thinking that it hasn't come with the sort of knowledge that rectifies hearts and draws people near to Allah, the knower of the unseen. Uh, this attitude ultimately produces in them uh, a total rejection uh, 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 of uh, the, what the Messenger of Allah brought and uh, in this regard and leads them to talk about spiritual matters on the basis of conjecture and fantasy. They are astray and they lead others astray. This reminds me of one of my favorite stories from the Kashful Mahjub, which we probably mentioned in years past, but uh, it's all right. Uh, a good story should be told again a couple of times. That's not. There's no problem with that. And that is that one of Imam Junaid, uh, uh, Imam Junaid al-Baghdadi, rahimahullah ta'ala, wa qaddasallahu sirrahu wa rafa'a darajatihi fil aliyin amin. One of my favorite stories is that one of his students stopped attending the majlis of his sheikh. And the student entertained inside of him some sort of fancy that like, look, I've reached a station with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so like, what's the point? I don't need to, I don't need to uh, associate with my sheikh anymore. And your sheikh always, uh, you know, his shadow should be over you. Even if you're exceed him in every way, shape or form, this is the sunnah, like a, a, a child who's more pious than his parents should still show honor to his parents. Um, and just like a, a younger should still show some modicum of honor to their elders, even if they exceed them in rank. Um, you know, so he had, you know, so he had this, 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 this idea in his head and it was all just shaitan and just shaitan is just messing with him. And so what happens is he started seeing dreams, uh, when he would sleep at night of him being in Jannah and, uh, enjoying the various known delights uh, of paradise. So he thought, yo man, I made it, you know, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a wali now, man. That's it. That's it's, it's, I, I made it. You know, I don't need to go to Majlis no more. I got, I got what I need. Uh, uh, I got it, you know? And so what happens is that uh, uh, his teacher sees him 
you know, in the city somewhere. And he's like, he's like, Berta, how come you don't come to the majlis anymore? And uh, he makes some like real like snide uh, comment, you know, thinly, uh, a thinly veiled, uh, uh, you know, veneer of politeness. Um, like, you know, like, you know, yeah, we used to benefit, Jazakallah khair, and we used to benefit so much from your, your company. And, but Alhamdulillah, Allah has given us so much now. You know, meaning like, I don't have to come no more. I already, I made it. It's all good. And so, uh, Imam Junaid, uh, you know, uh, your Sheikh is intimately aware of your uh, station, uh, uh, if he is also of a station like Imam Junaid. And so, uh, he's like, oh, okay, I see. That's cool. He goes, uh, look, just do me a favor. He goes, next time you see one of these uh, uh, visions of being in Jannah or whatever that you're enjoying right now, he says, just repeat, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem three times. And so... He's like, okay, cool, I guess. So the next time he sleeps and he sees a vision of Jannah, and uh, uh, one of the Hurain is about to give him a kiss. Ah, wouldn't that be so nice, right? Uh, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, just don't don't admit that it would be nice to your wife. But uh, wouldn't that be so wonderful, right? And so he's about to receive this kiss, and then he he remembers. Oh, my Shaykh told me to do something. He says that Alu Billah min Shaitan Rajim. Uh, and so he says it three times and all of a sudden, uh, uh, bam, Jannah is gone and he's sitting in a garbage dump in Baghdad and a dog is licking his cheek. And uh, <laughs> those were Mubarak and blessed people. This is a fitna. God knows, uh, you know, if I would have passed it or not, I probably would have been like double as profligate, you know, the people who sat in those majalis were awliya of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala tested them very stringently. And so he, he had enough good sense to, you know, to hang his head low and uh, come back to Sheikh Saab and admit that I still have a couple of things to learn from you. And so he admitted him back into the majlis. And so the point is, is what, is that there are many people who have these fantasies inside of their heart that they have some sort of spiritual experience and it's really nothing. And it's very powerful. These fantasies are very powerful. They happen to you and they happen to me. They're very powerful. A person's power of imagination is like really, it's Allah gave human beings this ability and it's like something that nobody else in the creation has. That we have this ability to make tasawwur, to imagine things inside of our hearts that uh, exceeds even the, the natural parameters and boundaries of time and space and cause and effect. Um, and we can really come up with some really powerful ideas inside of our, uh, inside of our nafs. But it's from our nafs ultimately, it's not from Allah. And uh, the thing that is from Allah has barakah in it, that thing that's from the nafs is khabis, the nafs is a kuti. If you don't keep her on a chain, she's a dog. If you don't keep her on a chain, she'll ruin your entire deen. 25 seconds, 15 seconds, she'll ruin everything good you've done in your life. And uh, you have to be very careful about that. If it's mutatawwi'ah, if it's, if it's um, been subjugated and obedient, uh, it will do great good for you if you let it off the chain. It will ruin everything that you worked so hard to make. Years, decades, a century of work, it will ruin it in seconds. And uh, uh, and this is, uh, you know, I remember Sheikh Nuh one time in a, in a, in a, in a bayan, he mentioned... Something very strange. He said that uh, Shaykh Al-Akbar uh, 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 Ibn Arabi once mentioned that the eye of the Qur'an, uh, uh, that the person who understood the, the amazing nature of the nafs the most from, uh, from mankind was Fir'aun, 
when he said, which was uh, transmitted in the Quran, "Ana Rabbukum Ana Rabbukum al-A'la," I am your Lord Most High, meaning that he didn't know who the real Allah was, but he knew the physical world, and when he looked inside of the 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 the, the strange and wondrous powers and abilities of the nafs, uh, he uh, he concluded that he must be God. And uh, there's a lot of this like ego, you know, Superman, I think, therefore I am uh, type of, um, you know, type of uh, thought out there. And there's a vein of truth in it. And that's why the, those things are so deceptively powerful. Um, and there's a very dark uh, and a very evil, uh, uh, you know, set of ideologies and philosophies from Europe that, that emerge from, uh, uh, from this realization of the power of the nafs. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uh, protect us uh, from all of those things. But it is possible that somebody using Islam as a gateway to convincing people that spirituality is important and then funneling their own uh, B-grade uh, nafs spirituality and nafsic, uh, nafsanic energy uh, onto a person that they can harm such a person. And, uh, uh, you know, one last story I wanted to uh, share before continuing Um is a story about uh, a, a great sheikh from our silsila Shah Abdul Quddus Gangohi Taala. He predates uh, Deoband by uh, centuries, and he was a great sheikh of the uh, of the Tariqa Chishtiya in the uh, Indian lands uh, in the Indian subcontinent. So Shah Abdul Quddus Gangohi, uh, 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 he uh, is buried in, in Gango and uh, uh, and his his uh, mazar and Khanqa and all that is still there. Uh, he was known to be a, a sahib al-karamat in a way that very few people will even accept as uh, as being possible nowadays. And so he had, and this is a very strange story, so take it with a grain of salt, you know, take it with a grain of salt if you need to. But uh, the, the point of the story is what I want you to take from it, not necessarily, you know, you don't have to believe it as if it's like an ayah of the Quran, in fact you don't. But uh, they say that he had a room in which he would make muraqaba and dhikr, that he would meditate and make dhikr in. And the room had no windows or doors. There was just a small uh, opening and that uh, he would make himself water. And through that uh, uh, small uh, opening, he would pour himself into that room and then sit there in complete isolation and uh, do his dhikr and muraqaba and then he, he would come out. So yeah, you heard me right. Like I said, I made my disclaimer a minute ago. You can rewind and listen to it again if you want to. Uh, and so what happens is one day when he uh, enters into this room and he's doing his, uh, you know, his whatever, dhikr and muraqaba, uh, uh, he, uh, you know, he's interrupted. And uh, he finds in his room with him uh, a Hindu, uh, uh, a Hindu uh, 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 yogi, uh, one of their uh, spiritual practitioners. And he says, he says, Mulana Saab, I want to ask you something. I have like a, I just, this thing has been bothering me. I just need to ask you about it. I need to talk to you about it. And, uh, you know, I just, I had to ask. So I interrupted your, I'm sorry, I interrupted your, uh, your meditation and whatever, but I just had to ask. Uh, and he says, what? He says, what is it you wanted to ask? He says, why is it that you Muslims always, you know, insist that you're right about everything? Why is it that you insist you're the only way to the truth, the only way to Allah Ta'ala? You're the only, uh, uh, you know, the only people who have uh, knowledge. You're the only people who have the path to salvation. He says, why do you have this, 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 this dogged insistence? 
And uh Shab al Qaddus he says he says he says this is the truth, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He goes, I can give you a million proofs uh, uh, if you want to. And the yogi is like, I'm not interested in your proofs. He goes, Look, you turned yourself into water and entered into this room. I also turned myself into water and entered into this room. And so you have your karama, you have your miracle, and I have my miracle. Uh, he goes, why, you know, like, I don't see what the difference is between the two two of us. You know, talk to me on that level. And so, uh, Hazrat Shah Saab says, okay, you want to talk on that level? He says that, uh, uh, um, uh, meet me, uh, uh, you know, at such and such time and bring a bucket and a, a, a piece of cloth with you. He says, okay. So, uh, 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 the two of them, they meet and Shah Saab has his bucket and piece of cloth and this uh, yogi has his bucket and piece of cloth. And uh, 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 he says, now turn yourself into water and sit in the bucket for a minute and then come out. And so the two of them do it at the same time. And when they come out, uh, he says, now smell your piece of cloth and smell mine. And Hazrat Shah Saab smelled like uh, perfume and the yogis uh, smelled like najasa, like putridity. Uh, and this is the story. Now, a person may say, well, I, you know, I don't know if I can believe that or not, which is fine. I, I get that. And I, I respect, you know, like I, I have sympathy for that part of a person's, uh, for that part of a person's reaction. It's fine. It's not, you don't need to accept this as a, a completely 100% true story in order to understand the precept behind it, which is what, which is that, uh, uh, which is that, uh, you know, that spirituality in and of itself is not where it's all at. Spirituality combined with what? Combined with right thinking, with usul, with something that will bring you to Jannah forever, which something which will be your salvation and be your rectification. That's what you want. Um, and those people, there are some people who actually bring a very, very potent and a very real spiritual experience, but it's not good for you because it will take you to the hellfire. And we have this bizarre uh, uh, you know, condition that we're in, that we live amongst materialist people who don't... Uh, um, accept uh, even the existence of spirituality so that when someone sees spirituality, you know, comes face to face with it, they're completely floored. It's a paradigm shift and people think this must be the haq, this must be the truth. And it's not. It's not. If it doesn't lead you to something good, if it doesn't lead you to something better, there's no khair in it whatsoever. And this is what the beauty and supremacy of the way of the Prophet wasallam is, is that it's good spirituality, it's good physicality, it's good mentality, it's good knowledge, and it's a good beginning, it's a good middle, and it's a good end. All of it, there's uh, beauty and praiseworthiness in it from, from one to the other. So, uh, you know, with all due respect, I've heard this so many times over the years, uh, from people, they say, oh, look, the path of the ulama and the path of the madaris and the path of these people and those is very dry. And I, you know, it's just not for me. They're, it's good. You know, they learn hadith and stuff like that. It's very dry. It's not for me. If you're not going to find spirituality and knowledge in the hadith of the Prophet it doesn't exist. If you're not going to find it in the Quran, it doesn't exist. If you're not going to find it in the books of fiqh, it doesn't exist. If you're not going to find it in the books of aqidah, it doesn't exist. Go crack open the, go crack open the uh, kashul mahjub. Uh, and see uh, Shah Bayazid Bustami, the Wali's Wali. You know, you want to tell Oliya stories? Those are the most like just out there Oliya stories uh, uh, in the world. 
And if it wasn't that all of the ummah bore witness to his high maqam and his station, uh, 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 you know, both sides of the of, of the divide, uh, of any divide in the ummah, they all uh, bore witness to his uh, great maqam, uh, people would be forgiven for not uh, taking uh, some of the things he said seriously. That being said, Bayazid rahimahullah tabarak wa ta'ala wa qaddasallahu sirrahu, he mentioned out of all of his uh, uh, out of all of his spiritual self mortifications, mujahadat, and struggles, the most difficult thing for him uh, to uh, to do was to study, uh, in particular, to study aqidah, to study ilm kalam. Why? Because it imposes on a person a a a, a logical framework that the nafs doesn't really want to accept. Um, uh, but in it, there's great khair. Obviously, he wouldn't do it if there was no khair. And so we continue with the last uh, two, three paragraphs, inshallah, from this chapter and conclude. He says, examples of virtuous scholars. It is clear from this that the most complete and virtuous of scholars are those who are knowledgeable of Allah and His commandments. They combine two kinds of knowledge, outer and inward, outer and inward, uh, which they receive from the Quran and Sunnah. They examine what people say on the basis of the Quran and Sunnah. That which agrees with these sources, they accept and that which contradicts them they reject. These scholars are the elite of mankind and the best of humanity after the Prophets ﷺ. They are the true successors of the Prophets and Messengers. And by the way, what does it mean the true successors of the Prophets and Messengers? That these are the people who uh, uh, with Allah Ta'ala have mandate and have leadership Yom Al-Qiyamah. If one of these people has a disagreement with one of the other people, it doesn't matter if the other one has the money or the control or the political ascendancy or the sovereign authority. On the day of judgment, Allah Ta'ala will, will treat them as, as the rebels, the ones who rebelled against the system. The system with Allah Ta'ala is that these people are the ones who are the, the successors of the Prophet Islam. I mentioned this to you and warn you as a warning that you and myself, that we should never uh, uh, be on the wrong side of that, uh, on the wrong side of that fallout. Uh, lest we uh, face with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, a punishment for uh, for rebellion. Uh, and uh, Baghi is one of the worst, one of the worst of the types of sins that a person can uh, incur. These are the true successors of the prophets and messengers. There were many uh, among the companions of the Prophet wasallam, including the four Khulafa Rashidun, uh, uh, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Sayyidina Umar, Sayyidina Uthman, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhum, Sayyidina Mu'adh bin Jabal radiallahu anhu al-Ansari al-Khazraji, Abu Dardai radiallahu anhu, Salman al-Farisi, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhum, uh, uh, Abdullah ibn Amr and Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum, and many others. Similarly, from the generation after them, there are the likes of Sa'id bin Musayyib, Al-Hasan al-Basri, Ata, Tawus, Mujahid, Sa'id bin Jubair, Ibrahim al-Naqa'i, and Yahya ibn Abi Kathir, rahimahumullah tabarak wa ta'ala. And amongst those who came after the latter were the likes of Sufyan al-Thawri, Al-Imam al-Awza'i, Imam Ahmad, and others amongst the righteous scholars. Ali ibn Abi Talib, radiyallahu anhu, alayhi salam, qaddasallahu sirrahu, has dubbed them the godly scholars, the ulama rabbaniyun, indicating their praiseworthy status. Uh, their kind is referred to more than once uh, and in more than one place in the Quran. Ali radiallahu anhu says of them, that people are of three groups, righteous scholars, students of sacred knowledge, and riffraff. So either you're one of them or you sit at their feet or 
And Sayyidina Ali said it. So, you know, don't argue with me. Don't say that you're being supremacist or whatever. Uh, and uh, he said it, radiallahu anhu. Uh, he's the one who, about whom the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Man kuntu mawlahu. For whoever I'm a, a mola, I'm a wali, that this Ali is also a wali for him. Uh, he's the one who uh, Rasulullah said about him, that this Ali, his position with me is like the position of Harun with Ibrahim, except for that the only difference is that there's no Nabi after me. Uh, and so if he said it, I'm going to accept it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, it's no offense, uh, 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 but uh, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to... Uh, uh, reject it uh, so squarely, so easily. Uh, I'm I'm going to have to be bound by it because if you have authority over me today, a day will come where uh, uh, the authority of these people will be much more real than the authority of dollars and of uh, uh, of, of uh, you know blue passports and of Democrats and Republicans and of police forces and armies. Uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala uh, uh, give us salvation on that day. He said, people are of three groups. The righteous scholars, the students uh, of sacred knowledge and the riffraff. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq to be from the first two. And then he went on at length to describe the corrupt and righteous scholars. We expound on them elsewhere in this book. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give us tawfiq to be people of beneficial knowledge and be students of beneficial knowledge and to not be uh, ensnared in the trap uh, of the nafs which will always crave, uh, which will always crave that which the, the, the twisted bring because of its convenience and its warm fuzzy feeling that it gives us inside right now. Uh, we should, uh, inshallah, not put ourselves through torture right now, but at the same time know that uh, uh, you know certain uh, mistakes and certain uh, types of foolery that we do right now is going to put us in uh, is going to put us in much more difficulty uh, at a later date and uh, out of love for oneself and out of desire not to put oneself through difficulty uh, may Allah Ta'ala give us all of the tawfiq to make good choices for ourselves uh, for the, for those days uh, today and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make uh, inshallah just like there's an Eid Mubarak at the end of Ramadan may Allah Ta'ala make uh, our, our Yom Al-Qiyamah the breaking of our fast and the Eid Mubarak from our uh, Ramadan of, uh, of worshipping him in this world وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين